www.voiceamericahealthcare.com. The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. thought about why people act the way they do? Why are some people more difficult to deal with while others are always pleasant? Let's find out together. Welcome to Human Behavior. What a trip. Your host is Dr. Jonathan Brower. Our program combines expert guests with people just like you who have questions or comments. We'll have fun exploring human behavior. Now, here's your host, Dr. Jonathan Brower. Hi, everybody. This is Dr. Jonathan Brower. My show is called Human Behavior, What a Trip. And we have a wonderful trip today with my guest. Her name is Anne Marie Hamming, and she's written a wonderful book called Saving Lee, Finding Grace, A Mother's Journey, and then uh, it's her first book, so she may have others. So welcome to the show, Anne. Thank you. Thank you for having me, Jonathan. You're very welcome. And are you Anne or Annie? Uh, Anne. Okay. So um, we're going to hear a very compelling story in the next 55 minutes or so. Uh, but if it's okay with you, I'd like to start with um, your early growing up period and where you grew up with and how your family was for you and the things you like to do. And then you can uh, give us an overview of how you ended up doing what you're doing now. Oh, sure, sure, sure. Uh, well, my childhood was um, uh, was pretty bland. I was the youngest of four children yeah. uh, growing up on a dairy farm in uh, the northern part of the lower peninsula of Michigan. Uh-huh. Um, I grew up yeah, in a very small town, uh, overwhelmingly Dutch uh, ethnically and uh, overwhelmingly agricultural. Um, and it was a town where my ancestors had settled, so there were, I was the um, fourth and in some parts of my family fifth generation uh, to, to live in that area. Um, where did they come from? Uh, where did they come from? Yeah. Uh, various parts of the Netherlands. So, I see. Yes. So they were but, um, shortly after the Mayflower or... Oh, oh no! Well, well, after the Mayflower, but okay. going back to my great great grandparents. I see. So yes, um, they they uh, um, they ended up up there because uh, it was the next available uh, farmland um, uh-huh. when they arrived. They they were a, a generation too late to get the great farmland in southern Michigan, uh, so they had to go north where it was a little swampy er and not as prosperous, but. Uh, uh, they found patches where they could uh, could make a living, and yeah, some of my ancestors were involved in uh, cutting the timber off the land and then uh, claiming the land and and farming.
farming it. So, um, yeah, I have deep roots in, in northern Michigan. Um, I grew up uh, uh, religiously in a um, the, through the Reformed Church of America, so um, uh, the Calvinist uh, strains through my religious upbringing. Um, it was a very close-knit community, and I would say uh, overall I felt uh, very supported uh, and nurtured in, in the small town uh, where I grew up, and I was uh, quite fortunate, I, I believe, to have a uh, very loving family. Uh, they they worked very very hard. Yes. Um, they were you know young uh, young farmers with four kids. Yes. So uh, when I was a small child, but um, you know they honored their commitments and they really uh, valued their family. And, and yeah, it was a very supportive, um, loving, but very simple and, and sheltered in many ways. Um, yes. Uh, uh, growing up, so those Actually, are my very early idyllic in many ways. <laughs> well, yes and no. It was a shock, you know, getting out. Uh, you know, as I got older, um, sometimes it was a lot to wrap my brain around um, when I got into more, uh, you know, stimulating environments. When I saw all that other kids my age had done and experienced and gotten to see the world, you know, in some some respects, I felt like, um, you know, at times, like, wow, I, I missed out on a lot, um, and two, you know, opportunities with bigger high schools, with more resources. Um, you know, my town, we covered the basics really well, and, you know, um, you know, not, the expectations for that were, were high, um, but, yeah, you know, there weren't a lot of extras, um, yeah. and so, yeah, I did feel I had some catching up to do once I did get out into the world um, in terms of art and culture and um, yes. but, but um, in travel. Early, in the early years when you had secure attachment with your parents. I mean, that's mm-hmm. worth a lot. Yes. So you had a wonderful beginning. Yes, I did. Which uh, is, is, is to your help, it's been helpful for you for the, for the rest of your life. Yes. Oh, yeah, because it didn't lay the foundation, um, you know, for, for the things that, that uh, would serve me, uh, you know, later on in my life. Um, yes. With my own family, absolutely. Yeah, and their support. You know, um, there was always a, a sense that, okay, we're here for you. You know, um, yeah, there was there was a great deal of security yeah. and, um, um, you know, and, and support, you know. And there were always, you know, expectations that I would, you know, work work hard and, and try to ta- develop my talents to the utmost. And, yeah, there was support and there was, um, there was encouragement. Yeah. Uh, there and 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 expectation. So. And so, uh, did your parents move away from the farm at a certain age in your life? Oh no, no, they are still farming. Okay. <laughs> they are, oh, so, uh, yeah, they are in their seventies. They are okay. healthy, um, yeah. uh, and they are uh, still farming. Uh, old farmer. I tell my dad, old farmers never retire because they don't know anything else. Uh-huh. <laughs> so, so when you, so when you were in school. Including high school, were there certain subjects you enjoyed the most? Um, you know, I, uh, you know, I really enjoyed everything but the sciences. I, I enjoyed the language arts great deal. I, in high school, I did, um, I did enjoy math. I, I liked it because um, it was very orderly and logical. I did very, very well in it. Yes. I don't know if it had crossover to music because I was a very, um, I was a very musical kid. So I loved band and choir and um, did private music studies as well. What instruments did you play with your music? Oh well, now I barely play anything, but um, I I do play the flute a little bit, um, uh, and I I I used to sing quite a bit, uh, but now that's yeah I just 
sing around home basically now. One advantage of having the flute as your instrument is it's mm-hmm. easy to carry around. <laughs> yeah, I know. It you was know, nice. Big, in school, I could put it in my backpack. My friend who played the saxophone wasn't so fortunate. <laughs> so, <laughs> so you, yes. yeah. And actually, the flute's a wonderful instrument. I mean, it's mm-hmm. very melodic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So uh, after high school, you, you went to college? Yes, of course. Yeah. Where'd you go? I got my bachelor's degree in English at Kelvin College in Grand Rapids. Uh-huh. And I got my master's degree in journalism at the University of Illinois at Urbana-Champaign. Uh huh. So. And and that in in your graduate work, you were what was, what was your um, major? Uh, journalism. Journalism. So you've been a journalist for a long time. Well, yes. Well, I I was. I was a journalist. Um, I earned my living as a journalist for uh, just shy of twelve years. I worked in daily newspapers and. Um, First as a reporter, I spent the first half as a reporter, and wow. the last half in editing positions. So at uh, newspapers in Southwest Michigan. Did you like doing the editing part? Um, yeah, well, yeah, I, I enjoyed all of it, but yeah, I, I enjoyed uh, the editing part of it. Uh, not not the editing itself so much, although yeah. that could be very pleasing, but um, being a part of the bigger picture of. Um, of, uh, you know, the long-range planning and um, uh, being involved in planning and plotting out our, you know, more in-depth um, in-depth uh, projects. So, yeah. yeah. So in the, in the brief bio I have on you, mm-hmm. uh, it reads, um, Anne-Marie Hamming had it all, marriage, motherhood, and an enviable, an enviable career. Then life changed. Tell us about uh, how your life changed. Well, um, my life changed dramatically when my uh, second child was born. Um, uh, he uh, was a sickly infant, and um, it, you know, we, it was things that I thought would, uh, you know, he'd outgrow because many babies will have, you know, yes. Yes. Uh, acid reflux or skin problems or, or it's, you know, minor things that they um, that that they do outgrow food intolerances and uh, um, my son just um, never seemed to outgrow them or one problem would correct and then we'd get a few weeks or a couple of months of, of happiness and growth and um, then another another problem uh, would crop up that we would have to manage and these problems uh, you know, just with time, uh, you know, kept cycling into more serious things. Uh, so by the time he was a year and a half, he um, wasn't crawling, and um, you know, I was I was very concerned. Um, he was beginning to vomit a lot, um, just about every day, uh, and perhaps uh, sometimes repeatedly during the day. He be- then became um, terribly bloated, and a blood test found him to be uh, dangerously anemic and have dangerously low um, albumin. And wow. so he languished, and we, you know, it, that began at the at, at 18 months. Um, a two, uh, more than two, uh, three year journey of trying to figure out what was wrong with my son. And we, um, saw specialist after specialist and, uh, kept ruling out option after option. Um, and when he was three and a half, um, things got, uh, even more serious, uh, when he developed type 1 diabetes. So at the age of three and a half, we were dealing with 
intolerable eczema that um, uh, medication uh, could barely keep under control. He would, and keeping it under control meant that he could sleep through the night and not scratch till he bled. Um, we were on a strict gluten-free and egg-free diet by that point uh, with him, and then now, then also managing um, type one diabetes, and yeah. um, finally through visiting various medical centers, Cleveland Clinic, Mayo Clinic, and finally Cincinnati Children's Hospital in uh, the fall of 2008. Um, we were able to diagnose him with an extremely rare autoimmune condition. Uh, the acronym for it is IPEX. Uh, it's an immunodysregulation. IP, wait, it's IP what? IPEX. IPEX. Yes. And, that, and an, so he was how old when he was in 2000? He was... Um, he was... At what year? How old was he when, at 2008 when... He, he was not quite five years old when he right. was diagnosed. I see. Yes. And then the IPEX regimen seemed to be useful to some degree? Uh, a little bit, yes. Um, uh, but it was, um, it, it was a, you know, a Band-Aid. Um, he could, it, it, right immediately after diagnosis, he um, was treated with uh, prednisone, a steroid, a commonly yeah. used steroid. But um, those who have used prednisone, you know, know that it can only be used uh, short term, or it can have some very devastating long term effects. Yes. So for a few weeks, we were able to use prednisone and get his symptoms under control, uh, and then switch to an immunosuppressant um, similar to what uh, uh, kidney uh, transplant recipients uh-huh. take to prevent rejection of the organ. And um, this is all in his fifth year of. Uh yeah, he was not. He was not yet five when when this was occurring. So, um, and that uh, uh, that medication uh, slowed the onset of his symptoms, but um, um, did not stop it. And so, by the time uh, we reached uh, um, his bone marrow transplant process, it was time. He was starting uh, starting to deteriorate. Um, so, yeah, he was uh, not quite five and a half when he underwent a full bone marrow transplant at uh, Cincinnati Children's Hospital. Is that painful? No, it is not painful. It is long and tedious. The process um, involves um, um, a a strong regimen of of immunosuppressants and chemotherapy drugs to um, basically wipe out his blood counts. So his immunity uh, was was gone, and um, and so. But what that does is it makes the body a hospitable host uh, to the donor cells. And when you get the donor cells, this is about um, 14 days into the process. You get uh, he received 10 days of chemotherapy and immunosuppressant drugs, and then um, he had a, a couple of days to rest. And uh, the bone marrow transplant itself is simply uh, much like a um, a blood transfusion, and it's actually performed by the nurses in the room. And he's just um, uh, medicated uh, to prevent any adverse reaction. So he was just very um, very relaxed um, through the process. Yeah, it's, 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 the transplant itself is quite uneventful. So wait, wait, was, uh, he, was he? Uh, Fully asleep during the whole transplant? Oh, no, he was wide awake. Yeah, he was just very relaxed in his hospital bed. And uh, yeah. I'm curious to know, what helped him be so calm about the whole thing? He was medicated. 
<laughs> oh, I see. The medication helped him. I get you. Yeah, and for him, I, I mean, this is a child who he 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 felt lousy from the chemotherapy drugs by then, um, and so you know he he did. He just wanted to be in bed um, th- that day, and um, so and by then, uh, this is a child who'd been in and out of of medical facilities all over the Upper Midwest, and um, he was well familiar with many medical caregivers. So. Um, uh, doctors and nurses and medical procedures were nothing that really concerned him um, yeah. a- at all. It's like, okay, here's yeah. another process, here's another person. So. so before we go on with this part, you had at some point a husband and a first child. Yes. And how did each of those two human beings respond to what was happening with this family now? Um, well, my daughter... Um, uh, uh, first, first of all, my, my ex-husband, um, he, um, you know, was supportive of the process that he, he was in full agreement that, you know, Lee's misery needed to end. And if we could cure him with a bone marrow transplant, it was worth the risks and it was worth all the hard work. Um, so, yes. So yeah. there, yeah, there was, um, yeah, very clear, clear, um, clearly shared, uh, the goal and the intent. Um, there, and he was as supportive as he was able to be uh, with his uh, work commitments. He did have to, um, you know, remain employed so that Lee had uh, good health insurance, yeah. um, and he has a very, very demanding career. So um, my daughter um, was, um, she she's uh, two and a half years older than my son, but in maturity, um, more like four years older than him um, uh-huh. as, a, as a healthy child. Um, for her, um, it was uh, worrisome. She she worried a lot. She was um, yeah. she would compl- you know she would complain about uh, yeah. uh, oh I'm not hungry or this food doesn't taste good. When in reality she was nervous. She was too nervous to eat. Yeah. And um, she did worry about her brother, um, but she um, you know my her father and I uh, agreed that um, through the transplant. It, she just needed a lot of tender, loving care. Yeah. So we decided the best decision for her would be to send her to live with my parents oh. um, through Lee's transplant. Um, my siblings all live nearby yeah. um, so that the family really could, you know, wrap their arms around her. Good. And, and we're going to take a, we have to take a uh, sure. commercial break. We'll be, we'll be back in somewhere okay. between two minutes to a minute and a half, I think. Okay. So we'll go to break, everybody, and then we'll hear more about this. Very interesting saga. A fresh look at today's health. Voice America Health and Wellness. Legal Shield. Total access. Everyone deserves legal protection. With Legal Shield, everyone can access it, no matter how traumatic or trivial. Check out players.buildinglastingsuccess.com and jjbrower.com. Call Jonathan at 805-535-5111. DefeatAnxietyNow.com is geared to help people suffering with anxiety and depression. Intensive, short-term, dynamic psychotherapy helps many people get to the absolute core of their problems and resolve them. Call Dr. Jonathan Brower at 818-707-4557. Interested in investing in real estate, leveraging other people's money? Call Jonathan Brower and he can give you some more information. 
805-535-5111. That's 805-535-5111. SportsPsychologySociology.com can help you improve your ability to excel and enjoy your athletic endeavors. Call Dr. Jonathan Brower at 818-707-4557. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. You're listening to Human Behavior What a Trip with Dr. Jonathan Brower. If you have a question or comment for the show this week, please call in to 1 866 472 5792. That's toll-free, 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to jbrowerphd at yahoo.com. Now, back to Human Behavior, What a Trip. Hello, everybody. We're back with Human Behavior, What a Trip, and this is Jonathan Brower with my guest today. Her name is Anne-Marie Hamming. She has a very compelling story. And, Anne, before we continue... um, if anybody wants to contact you, is there an email address you have or a phone number? Yes, and my email contact? address is just my name, Anne Hamming, A-N-N-E-H-A-M-M-I-N-G, at gmail.com. Okay, so or then go Anne, to my website. Anne Hamming at gmail.com? Yes, or my website is just my name, annehamming.com. That's your website also? Mm-hmm. Okay, very good. All right, and um, people may want to ask you questions and know more sure. about things. Who knows? I imagine some people may have have the same story you have regarding this kind of thing. Yes. Oh, yes. It's been really interesting um, since these uh, these transplant. I've had the opportunity to uh, speak with um, two two other families who. Um, uh, who's, who were in the process of um, diagnosing their children. One ended up not having IPEX, but the other one did. Uh-huh. And um, talking with them about, you know, some of their what things they can expect and, yeah, the impact it can have on the entire family um, yeah. and, and to help them make the best decision, you know, they can for, for their families, yes. And is it, at this point, is it fairly easy to... Um find out if someone has IPEX or not, or is it kind of uh, um, semi-mysterious? It, it, it depends. It depends. Um, uh, smaller hospitals, um, you know, are, are not familiar with it. Research okay. hospitals are, but, but there again, not all of them. Um, uh, at the time Lee was diagnosed, uh, there were only about 300 known cases uh-huh. Um, in the U.S. Now, there has been, you know, awareness growing, but at that time, you know, the hospitals with the most experience, uh, Cincinnati Children's and the University of Washington, um, you know, uh, and then a handful of other hospitals had handled no more than a dozen cases. Um, uh, Cincinnati Children's at that point had only transplanted six children with IPEX. Now, they've done a few more, so they might be up to 15 since then because um, there's a growing understanding of the illness and a growing understanding of the, the whole spectrum of symptoms and the variation um, of ways it can present in children. Um, they used to think it was a pretty narrow, specific 
um, set of symptoms that struck very early in childhood, like infancy. Uh-huh. Um, and uh, But they've seen and learned, and Lee was among uh, some of those first cases where they were, you know, learning that it can progress more slowly um, and doesn't have the, the, there were three to four um, specific cases that it can present yeah. slightly differently. So, and that's um, what they're growing and why there's been an increase, um, presumably. So for this kind of disease, uh, is it just genetic, or is it somehow? Yes, it is. Uh, it is genetic. It is, yes. Um, in Lee's case, Wait, and there again, what? there's um, uh, uh, research that indicates there it could be passed in different ways, but um, it's passed from mother to son. Um, is, is, is what is known about it. Um, and so um, the daughters can be carriers, um, uh, you know, but um, so basically females pass it on to their male children and the male children are the ones who, who get the symptoms. And um, so, so if it's a boy, mm-hmm. um, if he has this problem, it's going to be while he's still in mother's uterus, right? Yes, that's correct. Mm-hmm. Wow, and then the daughters get off... Got free, so to speak. Yeah, yeah. Well, wow. here again, the research, though, um, there that it was the early thinking, and and here again, this is this is sort of beyond my expertise, but I did uh, hear something about that. They're starting to wonder if girls can show symptoms too, but there again, that is all speculation, and and I don't know that there's any, been any published research uh, on on the girls also showing the symptoms. But what is known is that yeah, the boys um, who who get the mutation passed to them do develop the, the illness. So. Yeah. so your son, I'm jumping ahead for a moment. So sure. your son is how old now? He is nine. Nine, okay. And um, uh, what's the, uh, what happens after nine? Yeah. I mean, in other words, wow. are, there, are there people, are there uh, males who are in their 20s or 30s with this disease? I, you know, I do not know. Okay. Um if uh, because uh, I, I would doubt that there are any in their 30s. My understanding of the illness is that um, uh, even in the slower progressing um, conditions, that um, they they deteriorate ever so gradually. And and as it was explained to us, that my son would have had a, a slow, miserable decline, and we would have been. Um, we would have surely lost him uh, by the time he was 20. So he would have, um, it would have been unlikely he would have outlived his teen years. Um, and that's, yeah, that's the, uh, the prognosis uh, if, it's, if it is untreated. So. Okay, and then uh, just for a brief minute, I, I can't, I don't remember the name of it, but I saw this movie on TV recently where this, this young couple had a son who was very, um, uh, frail and sick, mm-hmm. and uh, they went to all these different places to try to find help, and they f- basically found their help on their own. Mm-hmm. Magnificent movie and very sweet and uh, loving in many ways. So I don't know if you've ever heard of a movie like that, and I'm wondering if that was the disease they were talking about in the movie. Mm-hmm. It could know. be. You know, there are so many rare um, rare illnesses that, I, that aren't, yeah, that it could be any of a... a uh, you know, uh, uh, who knows how many illnesses? Um, yeah. There are there there are so many that it just it takes a lot of. Um, some of it is just circumstances lining up in your favor. Uh, for us, it was getting to the right hospital or a hospital where they 
one of the, pardon, back up, one of the few hospitals that had experience with it at just the right time where they were understanding my son's disease. Yes. Um, ten years ago, you know, if it is, this had all happened ten years earlier, um, they might not have had answers for us either. So it, it is an alignment of favorable circumstances and sometimes just getting to the right doctor who happens to be, um, you know, one of a handful of experts in the country or in the world yes. on that particular illness. Um, and, yeah, it's, it's, it's extremely difficult. I mean, our journey was difficult, um, but I have heard of and, and had contact with families where um, their journey was even more difficult um, um, that that they 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 did not know even after um, you know going to many world class medical institutions. Yeah. So it's it's tough. You yeah. know. So Very have good. you been able to find the uh, the few rare experts in this kind of disease that have helped been able to help you at all? Um, yes, yes, absolutely. Um, we were quite fortunate uh, that Cincinnati Children's again has um, has the most experience or more experience than than uh, just than one or two other hospitals in the country, and they happen to have a pioneering uh, bone marrow transplant specialist, uh, Lisa Filipovich. Um, who, uh, again, was one of the first to do transplants on children to cure them of IPEX. Uh-huh. And so um, they have a, a good track record. At the time of Lee's transplant, uh, their survival rate of uh, was, was, you know, tops in the country. Um, the average nationwide, the average uh, survival rate for bone marrow transplants of, of rare autoimmune conditions was uh, 60 to 65 percent, where Cincinnati's uh, rate at the time was um, 75. Five percent. Um, oh, that's good. Yeah, and so you know, we knew we were in. Um, we knew we were in the best possible uh, uh, position uh, to, to move forward with transplant, and um, yeah. and his best odds of survival were right there uh, in Cincinnati. So, so um, just forecasting the future. So, is it likely your son can live to have a good enough life until he's in his seventies or eighties? Yeah, it, it is quite possible. Um, he is growing and thriving. Um, he's uh, creeping up in the percentiles for height and weight for his age. Uh-huh. Um, he's very healthy. His labs now, if you were to look at, um, you know, a routine blood test, uh-huh. You wouldn't think there was anything wrong with him. He was He's in normal range just about every time he's checked. He's uh, asymptomatic in just about every way. Um, we do have some slight skin issues yet that we deal with, uh, but he can eat anything that he wants. He can do any activity that he wants. He can, he can um, play he, baseball or basketball. Mm-hmm. He yes, he's played sports. Oh, good. Um, he's done swimming lessons. He is, um, you know, success for us was getting uh, giving Lee the chance chance to be a normal little boy, and that is exactly what he is oh, uh, getting to experience now. He's now in the third grade and uh, doing, um, doing very, very well. So, and so the, pro- he, uh, the, the other kids who are in his grade and who are larger than he is and all that, uh-huh. they just see him as a nice guy and they don't focus on that he's much smaller or Oh, right. Well, and um, um, Lee, I, we helped Lee back a year in school because he had missed so much in growth and development yeah. um, that even though he's old enough, he could be in 
fourth grade now, uh, and then he really would be a little pipsqueak. Um, so now in third grade, um, when you line him, you know, you go to his classroom, he's, you know, kind of the middle of the pack uh, in terms of size. Um, and so, um, yeah, he just totally fits in, and it's the perfect, oh, uh, perfect place for him. Yes. Yeah. And um, uh, what's he like in terms of the uh, a real happy kid? Is he... Like jokes, like to play jokes or hear jokes. Yes. Oh, yeah. He's a very funny kid. Yeah. I um I I uh, refer to his sense of humor in the book. Yeah. Um, with playing practical jokes on doctors when he was in the hospital, and yeah, he's still um, he's still very funny. He uses humor um uh, to to warm people up, to make friends, to make light when he's uh when he's stressed about things. Yeah. And so, yeah, he's he's got a, a pretty sunny disposition. I tell him on cloudy days, he's the first one to spot a patch of sunshine or patch a patch of blue sky. Uh-huh. And um, the only thing that really um, can cloud his moods is that we still do have to um, deal with type one diabetes. That's the one thing his his transplant uh, could yeah. not reverse the damage to the pancreas. So um, that can cause mood fluctuations and uh, frustration when he can't concentrate uh, because his glucose is either rising or dropping. Or, and how many, um, how many injections does he normally take of this? Um, he takes as many as he needs in a day, uh, depending on how frequently he eats, and a minimum of uh, uh, six injections to account for uh, three meals and three snacks in a day. So. Yeah. And he does that on his own, or does, when he's at school, does a nurse... Um, at school, he has an, has an aide, a health aide that takes care of that with him. And the health aide is there just for him? Yes. Well, she she works in the classroom as an aide, so she's assigned to his classroom. I see. And okay. she's uh, been certified to give injections if need be? Uh, yeah. There's no certification for it. Yeah, right. she's just been trained. Yeah. <laughs> and I assume your son pretty much just goes along with what has to be done and takes the injections, right? Oh, yeah. I mean, it's all he knows, so, yeah. Yeah, so for him, it's no big deal. Right. Well, and he knows he would feel really gross if he didn't, so. Yeah, and I would imagine a lot of the kids who don't have diabetes are curious about it. Do they ask him questions about it, and then does he answer the questions? Yeah, they do. Um, uh, Every year, um, at the beginning of the school year, um, we take a little time to explain to the kids um, um, you know, Wiley has to have his blood checked and why he has to have shots. And they're very receptive and they're very curious and they always want to see, well, how big is the needle? Yeah. And <laughs> so, and it's really, and they, they kind of squint when they see how tiny it is because it, it is very, very small. Yeah. And so, yeah, it's been uh, pretty much a very, um, uh, very supportive environment um, for him with the other kids. Yeah. So, uh, does he know of athletes? who have diabetes and have to take their shots? Yes, he is. He's aware of it. And, and any time that I come across something about a, uh, a celebrity or uh, an athlete or something, you know, I'll just say, oh, oh, he has, that person has diabetes yeah. too. Look at that. Yeah. And uh, yeah, So the uh, guy who's uh, the quarterback for the Chicago Bears, mm-hmm. he has diabetes. Oh. And he takes the insulin when he needs to. and. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Somehow it gets it all done. Yeah. 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 So that's wow. that's kind of nice for your son to know about those kind of situations. Yeah. You can have yeah. a full life and still have to take your injections. Oh yeah. Yeah. Yep. And um, how is your son with girls in class and outside of class? Uh, well, he's only a 
he's only in third grade, so he's, you know, fine. They're just, you know, the rest of the, <laughs> they're all buddies in third grade for the most part, you know. Yeah. <laughs> so. well, well, I know when I was in, in grammar school or elementary school, um, you know, there were girls that I thought were cute and all that, but I really didn't spend much time talking to them. I was busy playing, you know, sports with the guys. Uh-huh. So I just wondered if um, he was more, uh, what's the word? I can't think of the word. More uh, clear about being okay with girls when, when while well, he's a kid than when I was a kid. Oh, you know, he just, you know, he's he's just a kid, you know. Uh, yeah, <laughs> he's just a kid. He yeah. plays with his buddies at recess, and he just generally gets along with everybody. And yeah, the girls are there, you know, <laughs> but it's not a, you yeah. know, they're just they're just all part of the mix of kids. So yeah, no, he tends to just get along with everybody. So. Does he have a favorite kind of subject he likes for school? Um, he likes reading a lot. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Well, that comes in handy, actually. Mm-hmm. Yes. So um, during all this time, you were busy, um, and still are, I assume, uh, taking care of him. Yes. And uh, you were unemployed for a while. Yes. Right? So how did you manage all that? Well, um, yeah, I had my hands full. I uh, uh, financially, I you know had a great deal of support from my family, um, child support, of course, uh, from Lee's father, uh-huh. and um, you know we we made do and uh, you know cut back on a lot of things um, so that I was uh, fortunate that I could just solely uh, focus on uh, taking care of my son and getting him through. Um, the first, you know, particularly the first year uh, post transplant when their immunity is uh, still um, uh, very, very immature and they're very vulnerable to uh, illness and infection. So, yes. you know, it was critical that first year and then the second year, um, too, to be uh, involved. As, as his health continued to to recover, and uh, then to deal with you know developmental delays and um, uh, you know learning delays, physical development delays, because he had been too sickly to run and jump and oh. and uh, climb when he was you know one and two and three. Yes. Uh, so to catch up on all that, so uh-huh. yeah, it was a, it was a it was an intense, very very intense. Uh, period of just focusing on just raising one little boy, and it, it took everything I had. Um, and then later into the process, you know, getting a sister back home and getting us to work cohesively uh, as a family, they had both kind of gotten, become accustomed to being only children, uh, and to get them to yeah. um, get along again was, and I, you know, deal with that quite extensively in uh, two of the chapters of yeah. the book. Um, so how many... Uh Months or years was your daughter staying with her grandmother? Fifteen months, yes, fifteen months total. She could have come back home a little sooner than that, but uh, just with the school calendar, she just we she decided she wanted to finish out a school year up yeah. there, and so. And what grade was she when she left to come she back was, to? Uh, she had a couple of months of second grade left, and then she was with my parents for all of third grade. I see, and. Um, would you talk to her frequently on the phone and things like yes. that? Yes, mm-hmm. and we had visits, frequent visits. So. And she seemed to be okay with all that. Uh, 
Oh, yes and no. I mean, she missed her mother a lot, and um, uh, she worried about her brother. So um, she was a sunny child on the outside, but at night, you know, at bedtime or when she was alone, there were a lot of tears. Yeah, I'm sure. We're we're Mm -hmm. up for our second and final uh, commercial break. Okay. So we're going to come to that and then come back to us. All right. Thank you. Okay. Real Life Solutions, Voice America Health and Wellness. Legal Shield, total access. Everyone deserves legal protection. With Legal Shield, everyone can access it, no matter how traumatic or trivial. Check out players.buildinglastingsuccess.com and jjbrower.com. Call Jonathan at 805-535-5111. DefeatAnxietyNow.com is geared to help people suffering with anxiety and depression. Intensive, short-term, dynamic psychotherapy helps many people get to the absolute core of their problems and resolve them. Call Dr. Jonathan Brower at 818-707-4557. Interested in investing in real estate, leveraging other people's money? Call Jonathan Brower and he can give you some more information. 805-535-5111. That's 805-535-5111. SportsPsychologySociology.com can help you improve your ability to excel and enjoy your athletic endeavors. Call Dr. Jonathan Brower at 818-707-4557. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. listening to Human Behavior, What a Trip, with Dr. Jonathan Brower. If you have a question or comment for the show this week, please call in to 1-866-472-5792. That's toll-free, 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to jbrowerphd at yahoo.com. Now, back to Human Behavior, What a Trip. Hi, everybody. This is Jonathan Brower. We're in the uh, last 15 or 16 minutes of our show. My guest is Anne Hamming, Anne-Marie Hamming, if I give her a full name. And if you want to uh, contact her, you can um, email her at Anne, A-N-N-E, Hamming, H-A-M-M-I-N-G, at gmail.com. And you also can go to her website, which is Again, A-N-N-E, Hamming, and Hamming, dot com. And she can give you information if you're interested in the kinds of issues we're talking about. So, uh, Anne, back to the show here. So, um, how was it for you and your son? And I don't know if, I don't know if you're, at this point, your uh, husband was living elsewhere or not, but when, yeah. when your daughter came home, how was it for the rest of you to have her back home? Oh, it was a mix of joy and awkwardness and, and, and difficulty. Um, as uh, my, You know, I had two children who had 
uh, you know, my son had had me to all to himself, yes. and my my daughter had had my parents and aunts and uncles and cousins, you know, all around to um, to to be with and to love her. And so um, when we got back together, you know, she was a different child, and I was a different mother, and my son was a much different child uh, than the sickly little brother she yes. had known. He was uh, rambunctious and very physical um, and very very lively. So it it uh, was extremely challenging um, to you know they both had temper tantrums and meltdowns. Uh, the first three months of putting them back together uh, was very very intense, and uh, it took a lot of patience and deep breaths and timeouts, um, and uh, just a lot of tender loving care uh, to to um, for them to get reacquainted and realize that I was there for both of them and uh-huh. they could not hurt each other. <laughs> and that they did have self control uh that they could they could use cuz you know we were a family of 3 now um yes. and, and, and you mentioned something a moment ago that's very important for all families mm-hmm. that um it's okay to be angry at one another mm-hmm. but it's not okay to be physically abusive or to right. be cruel right yeah. Exactly. And so, yeah, it took, you know, setting some, uh, I had to flip the switch. I Before I had been a very, uh, you know, well, doting and very attentive mother, you know, to my son with every detail, because it, it takes a great attention to detail uh, yes. to see a child through diabetes and a bone marrow transplant. Um, and I had to flip the switch into setting, you know, very, very clear expectations and uh, and not wavering from those. Um, and once they saw that, okay, mom meant it, that we can't hurt each other or we can't, you know, shout at each other or it's a timeout, um, you know, then it, it didn't take long for them to go, oh, oops, I screwed up, didn't I? Yeah. <laughs> they so, better not so, do um, that again. <laughs> so in the 15 months that your daughter was with her grandparents, yeah. uh, did you ever... Did you and your son ever go visit them or not? Well, my son didn't. Um, he was he had restrictions. Basically, he had he for his first several months at home, he um, had to remain either at home or go to the hospital, and that was it. Or for just very very brief um, yeah. uh, trip to the store or something. So he was very restricted. Um, my daughter would come to visit us in our home, or. Um, or um, uh, their dad would visit, uh, would take care of Lee at my home, and then I would go and visit Katie at my parents' house so that I could get a break and, and get out of the house. I see. So then you did have some uh, contact with her during those fifteen months. Mm-hmm. Yes. Oh, yes. Absolutely. I mean, in, in person contact. Yes. Oh, yes. Absolutely. And then, besides that, did did you guys use a lot of Skype so you could see each other on the? Um, yes, yes and no. However, um, the phone was a lot more convenient, so we use that much more often. Yeah. So, yeah. 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 So. And, anyway, uh, but yes, after after that, you know, we just gradually began to, uh, um, you know, put our lives back back together and um, inched our way toward getting Lee into school, um, so that he could, you know, um, just start being a normal child. And from there, I uh, I had to face, okay, now what do I do to support uh, to support my family? And um, my, you know, the journalism business is, uh, you know, the newspaper I had worked at is is was greatly, greatly downsized as newspapers have been all over the country. So I knew going back to daily newspapers was was not an option. Um, so I have turned. I turned first to um, sharing our story by by writing a book because I learned yes. you know so many things 
to share with people go, going through um, major life transitions, things that you hadn't expected, yeah. um, and it and it brings some assumptions uh, right to the forefront and assumptions um, that that some of them work and and some of them don't. And so I, um, you know, wanted to share my process and and my learning, um, and then from there I have developed a life coaching business with a specialty in working with families of uh, either who have been through um, a a child um, with a serious illness or are still dealing with it uh, because many illnesses are are chronic and go on for years and years. Um, So to support them and share, um, you know, share tools and strategies so that they can find uh, their own best answers um, for what what works with their family. Yes. Um, yeah. So as you're doing your life coaching, uh-huh. uh, is there another website people should have, or is it the same one I already? Well, the same. Yeah, the same website is okay. for my life coaching, and okay. where they can access my book. Yes. All right, and then um, uh, at the very bottom, near the bottom of the page here, where it says. Mm-hmm. You know, your book's entitled Savingly Finding Grace, mm-hmm. and then uh, colon, and then the rest is A Mother's Journey, mm-hmm. comma, her first book. So do you think you might have a second book? Um, yeah, people ask me that all the time, and uh, I, I think I do. It's just a matter of uh, yeah. I needed to get the first one out of the way right. and get my uh, life coaching practice built up. I'm still in the process of that and, and finishing up my uh, full credentials with the International Coaching Federation. Right. Um, but, uh, um, you know, I do, or, or at the very least I see... Um, you know, I can see a blog or um, a column um, in in uh, um, with you know the local newspaper chains um, uh-huh. to um, to explore you know life now and um, um, you know uh, but what the topic would be I'm I'm not exactly sure I can't even begin I get flashes of oh that would make a good book um, <laughs> but beyond those flashes of, uh, from time to time. Um, I, I I have no idea where where it would go. <laughs> and the other the other thing is, um, now that your book's out, maybe it could uh, become a movie too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, that would be marvelous. <laughs> yes. So, do you know how to find someone in the in the movie business that might want to look at ah, a script? No, no, I don't. Oh. No. Well, there's ways to find out. I'm sure. Oh yeah, there are, but I just, you know, um, I had to, I've dealt, I've had to be very, very practical and and get on with things that were very, very tangible, Um, like uh, you know, supporting, raising my family. I mean, that's my highest priority and my deepest joy. Of course. So you know, I could, I could throw hours upon hours into promoting my book and spend hours and thousands in trying to, um, you know, get a movie. But you know, that's not my priority. My family's my priority, and helping other families uh, through my life coach. Business. That's um, you know. That's yeah. really where I I want to put my energy and where I know I will see results. Uh-huh. And, um, yeah. Yeah. So, so um, I mean, you can, if you wanted, you could spend very little time seeing for someone in, in the movie business who might want to have someone do the um, the uh, whatever you call it. Oh, a screenplay. Yeah, a screenplay. Thank you. Yeah, and yeah. you wouldn't have to do, do anything extra for it, and you still end up getting some money. So. Yeah. Oh, that'd yep. be great. Now that yeah. would be great. <laughs> yeah, so you have different options. Give out some uh, free, uh, some playwrights or screenwrites. Yeah. Screeners. 
so at this point, um, uh, taking care of your two children is not as big a deal as it was earlier on, right? Um, yes and no. I mean, what I have come to realize, um, again, it was a, an assumption uh, that of mine that has changed over the years, that parenting, uh-huh. no matter what the child, is a huge job. and yes. um, most important um, job in the world. Yeah, and I think... Uh, uh, a lot of parents get into it thinking, you know, we can, you know, you can wiggle it in and um, yeah, yeah. around everything else. But you know, I've learned it, it is a huge job, yes, and yes. we underestimate the time it takes, even for, uh, even for a healthy child. So, yes. um, uh, you know, there there are always challenges. There's never really where it's you know smooth sailing, at least not for for um, any length of time. Yeah, there are always always challenges that go with it. And we do still live with type 1 diabetes. There, I cannot uh, underestimate how challenging that can be yes. um, with, the, with the child because um, the, the uh, fluctuations, the impact on concentration, yes. on school performance. It's, um, you know, many diabetics do very, very well, yeah. but people don't realize all that they have to manage yes. to, do, to be very, very well. Yes. So in your uh, life at this point, do you have time if you want to go work out or go walking or jogging or? Oh yes, absolutely. Well, one of the most important things I learned through Lee's transplant was that you have to take care of yourself and give yourself tender, loving care. Yes. Um, and so I, uh, yeah, I, I firmly believe that. And um, so yes, I, I um, am a runner, so I oh, run uh, three to four times a week. I do practice yoga, although right now I'm I'm not because I'm preparing for a half marathon. Um, but I do practice yoga. I have some very supportive friends who um, um, I get out with to laugh and to dance. Um, so yes, absolutely, I I get out and I get out in the community um, too with some volunteering efforts. So yes, very important. It helps keep a healthy perspective on things and and nourishes. You know, it just helps. It helps to energize me. Yes, and um, I assume that for many years you'll have two children who are alive and doing what they want to be doing, and yes, and being happy to be alive. Yes, absolutely, absolutely, and that um, you know, um, in another point of my life, I would have looked at that as just so humdrum, but. Um, after I see all that we, um, you know, how hard fought it was for us to have this, you know, I, yeah, I just cherish every day of the ordinariness of packing the backpacks and doing the homework and, um, you know, that it, it puts it all in a very, very uh, different uh, perspective yes. and that, yeah, and, and life is to be lived and, and um, yes. whatever you have, live it fully, you know, um, whether you're fully healthy, then then live it fully, but live with empathy and an eye toward those who don't have full health. And yes. if you have uh, an illness, well, so what? That's just one part of your life. You know, um, that's yes. what we found with Lee. He was very, very sick and gravely ill, but he was also just a little boy who was yes. funny and wanted to play and just wanted to be a little boy. Yes. And don't look for those. Look for the lightness. 
Um, look for the vitality, the things that, that move you. Um, they're there, even in the most challenging times. Yeah. The laughter, after the tears, the laughter is not far behind. It, it really isn't. It's all, all there and all part of a day. Um, yes. So, yeah. So, so when you mentioned humdrum, um, yeah. that actually can be beautiful and very loving. So yeah. every day when you're taking care of your kids, a lot of it's repetitive, and it's the same thing each mm-hmm. day. You know, you make the sandwiches and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. But that's part of how you take care of them and love them. Yeah. So oh, absolutely. So and, you know, when my son was recovering, bad. yeah, it was, it was life and death, the extremely tedious things of, you know, um, of cleaning everything and, and, and doing the medication on a schedule. And, and, I mean, there were a lot of very, very tedious steps, but they were all critical um, yeah. to getting him through uh, the transplant without infection or illness. And, you know, I, we can't lose the sight that even when they're healthy, um, those things are important too. You know, they mean the world to our kids um, and yeah. and can show them that they are loved and supported and, yeah. and grow grow confidence in their, you know, their sense of worth and value. So, yeah. Well, yeah. our time has elapsed. Thank you so much for being a guest on my show. Thank you for having me, Jonathan. Uh, yeah, I enjoyed your, your, your presentation. I enjoyed the way you talk. And uh, I think you're a great mom. And I hope all of you have a wonderful life for many years to come. Well, thank you. Thank you very you're ver- much. You're very welcome. You too. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Okay, everybody, that's the show for today. Talk to you next week. Bye. Thank you again for listening today. Tune in every Tuesday at 5 p.m. Eastern Time, 2 p.m. Pacific Time for Human Behavior, What a Trip with Dr. Jonathan Brower on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Have fun experiencing your human behavior.